This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter today. Ha-cha! Hi, this is Jay Lee, artist of books like The Inhumans and Marvel's Dark Tower and Batman Superman. And you are listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Podcast with Joe and Matt. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 485 of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast. My name's Matt Baum. And I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick each week. Matt and I merge into one two-headed beast and use our combined powers to relive our comic shop days by arguing about comics and comic book news on the internet. In this episode, Joe and I review Thanos Annual, number one, and Hunt for Wolverine, number one. No direct articles in there. Not the Thanos Annual, not the Hunt for Wolverine. (laughs) Then we'll dodge Infinity War spoilers while we review eight more comics during the ludicrous speed round, and after that, We'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we'll discuss our must-read picks for next week. And finally, we'll get into another nerd at the movie segment, the Infinity War edition. But before we start kicking some comics around, we better talk about this week's Nerd From the Kirby Crackle desk. From the Kirby Crackle desk? I like it. Marvel Studios. The desk actually crackles. It does. Yeah. It's, kind of, it's kind of scary, actually. It's loud, too. It keeps us up. Marvel Studios apparently is looking at Jack Kirby's Eternals for a potential live-action film. <sighs> Good Because Lord. things worked so well for the Inhumans. Good Lord. Studio president Kevin Feige confirmed that development work was underway on a possible Eternals movie. Although the movie itself has not been greenlit. This this is just reeks of like, oh my God, DC is a hypothetical hit on their hands with the new gods. We've got to get ahead of that. Oh, I don't think <laughs> that's know? true. I don't think Marvel is looking at DC for any cues. You don't think this is a Dante's Peak volcano situation here? <laughs> no, no. That joke's way too old to hit with anyone under the age of 30, by the way. Armageddon, Deep Impact? I mean, that's kind of the same. Yeah, I suppose. Nobody remembers same Deep time Impact, frame. though. Everybody remembers Armageddon because it's the fucking best. Feige said a lot of nonsense about creative discussions, yada, yada, yada. But it sounds like but- bullshit. Why does it sound like bullshit? Because he was talking about, like, oh, look, we right now we're focusing on Infinity War, Ant-Man, Captain Marvel, Avengers 4, Spider-Man, all that. Those are the f- And he even said, those are the five things that are taking up to 90% of our time. But there's a 10% we're starting to go, well, what's going to be best? And, you know, like, this is ridiculous. Like, some screenwriters have talked to them about, like, making a, a Cersei movie? Like, where is this coming from? No one cares about the Eternals, right? I don't care a about them. Cersei movie? Where did you see that? That's right, down here. I think that's just the Eternals movie they're talking about. Cersei is one of the Eternals. No, I get that. Well, but yeah, that's that's how they have to operate, Matt. They've got five movies that are in active production. No, I understand. But they still have to plan for what comes next. Does anyone care about the Eternals? There's so much that's the other question. great that's the question. stuff. <laughs> I mean, like really great stuff that they haven't even touched yet. And we're going to look at the Eternals? Why? I think that there might be an interest if they can tie it into Thanos. Like Thanos is an eternal. I get that. You know, people are excited about the character. So maybe that's where their head's at. But they planned this Inhumans movie. Right. 
right? And they were like, yep, in humans, in humans. We're all for it. And, and then suddenly argue- they decided, um, we're not doing it in humans. Let's do it on TV instead. And it was the worst. And I would argue that the inhumans were in a better position to succeed at that point. Not that it did or that anybody even wanted it to, but they were in a better position to succeed than the Eternals, which we haven't seen since what? Literally the 90s? Oh, no, no. The Eternals pop up here and there all the time. Like there was that Neil Gaiman Eternals miniseries with John Romita Jr. Wasn't that in the 1990s? No, it was not in the 1990s. Was that 2006? The question is, who cares? The Eternals, I think the Eternals, I think the Eternals are basically the same as the Inhumans, if you think about it on paper. I mean, sure. They are a subsection of humanity that got messed around with by aliens and have godlike powers. That's the Inhumans. Yeah. So why would they do the Eternals when they crapped out on the Inhumans? Yeah, it, I don't know. It, I that's, just that's the only I thing I can think of is that they're like Thanos is an Eternal. People love Thanos. See, that's why I think the story is just BS. I think it's people just talking. Like somebody mentioned something, and Kevin Feige was like, "Oh yeah, we're looking at it." I don't buy it. I don't think they'll make that mistake again. I think the Inhumans was embarrassing for them, and I don't see them making that mistake again. I don't think it's BS. I, I'm not saying it's going to get made, but I believe that they are actively discussing options about making movies like this. God, like so uh, the next phase of the Marvel universe, uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe is going to be Captain Marvel. Right. So it's it's going to be more cosmic-y. Cosmic. I don't. I don't. I'm not surprised by it. I just. I'm not surprised that they're going to go in that direction. I'm surprised that they chose the Eternals. Yeah. It's weird. But yeah. It's weird, and uh, I don't care. I'm not super excited about it, yeah. In other news that you may or may not care about, have you ever thought, man, I wish there was just a little more anime in my Star Wars? Well, I've got good news. An anime-inspired Star Wars Resistance animated series, that sounds redundant, will debut on the Disney Channel this fall. Set in the months before Star Wars The Force Awakens, Star Wars Resistance will follow a newly recruited Resistance pilot named Kazuda Ziono, which is officially the most Star Wars name I've ever heard, who is tasked to spy on the First Order. No way, dude. Elyon Sleazebagano. <laughs> yeah, pardon me. <laughs> and Dexter Jexter. Those are my two right. favorites. <laughs> uh, this is a quote. The idea for Star Wars Resistance came out of my interest in World War II aircraft and fighter pilots, said Star Wars animation vet Dave Filioni, who created the show. My grandfather was a pilot. My uncle flew in restored planes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Do we need... An anime Star Wars. I I don't like it. And I no, don't want to. Okay, you're latching on to anime and you're ignoring the word inspired. Yeah. <laughs> They're not going to make like a full on anime Star Wars. No, I get that. What I'm saying is we recently got an, a very anime inspired look at the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I turned a blind eye. I went, I don't care. Whatever. Fine. Kids will like it. Looks cool. For some reason, when you bring that towards my Star Wars, it makes me go, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't know why. I just don't want it. And I love anime. Ah. I love it. I just don't need, you know, the peanut butter to get in my chocolate this time. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, in my mind, when they say anime inspired, I'm thinking more along the lines of the new Vol- the newer Voltron series. Which is fine, but the, Which, the original look, I, Voltron would be great. series... Uh, that would be great animation for Star Wars. Sure, but the original Van- Voltron series was still anime. So I'm fine with that. You know, I just, I don't know. I don't need a like a robo-teching of my Star Wars. It, but it, it's going to be about dogfights and pilots, so it's going to be very like mech-heavy. Like, right. I think you're... 
I think you're overreacting about the anime thing and you're like leaning way. I think you're um, assuming it's going to be like, uh, what's an anime? Like what's an anime? Are you serious? Like name an anime that's not Robotech. (laughs) Um, Anyone? Something like uh, Yu Yu Hakusho or whatever. (laughs) Like you name one. I don't have to. I did. I did. I just did. Yu Yu Hakusho. (laughs) You think it's going to be more like Hamtaro? I don't think you're pronouncing that right, by the way. President Dad? <laughs> President Did they make Dad. that into an anime? <laughs> I think so, yes. The, the, the Prince of Tennis? Yeah, I think it's going to be more like the Prince of Tennis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's just going to be slightly anime-inspired. Like, I, for me, that sounds like it's going to be like traditional animation, uh, expressive characters, and I'm into that. And, and with like a focus on, on vehicles and stuff, I think that sounds cool. Uh Oscar Isaac and Gwendolyn Christie are going to reprise their roles as Poe Dameron and Captain Phasma, yeah, which is great. Neat. That's neat. Uh, they've got a bunch of great voice actors lined up. Bobby Moynihan, Donald Faison, uh, a bunch of people I've never heard of. I'm just glad Moynihan is working. You know, Jim Rash from Community is going to be on there somewhere. Yeah. So I know that you weren't necessarily a fan, but Star Wars Rebels was great. I know. I, that's uh, it had a bizarre ending. It had some kind of time travel twist that was very divisive Sucks. among the fans. Sucks. I don't need it. It's dumb. Uh, you don't even know what happened. I do. I know exactly what happened. I watched that episode even, and without watching any of the rest, I don't want time travel in my Star Wars. Well, I mean, Get I agree. But Get it out of there. I, I think that this sounds like a fun concept. I, I think there's a lot of story that can be filled in from the time period before the new pre, uh, the new sequels started. Sure. So I'm into it. I want I'm I want to see where it goes. I think it sounds fun. I just don't care about animated Star Wars. I guess maybe I'm an old curmudgeon. Yeah, I guess that's true. Finally, from our very very dusty Starfleet desk, S. J. Clarkson, uh, better known for her work on Jessica Jones, is in talks to direct Paramount Pictures' Star Trek Four. This is according to the Hollywood Reporter. The studio reportedly wants a female director for the position, which is a first for the franchise. S.J. Clarkson did a lot of great work on the first season of Jessica Jones. This movie would be separate from the announced Quentin Tarantino Star Trek movie, which apparently is getting its own separate timeline. Yeah, I... Thank God for that. Thank you. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, the Quentin Tarantino thing, I don't get it at all. And like, I would love to see a Quentin Tarantino Star Trek film, but I also am dreading a Quentin Tarantino Star Trek film for some reason. Yeah, same here. <laughs> Unless uh, the like, only- they're just going to like drop N-bombs left and right and like, right. <laughs> it's super filthy and shoot people in the dick with their phasers, you know? <laughs> Do you see a sign on my starship that says dead Klingon storage? <laughs> That's because storing dead Klingons ain't my business. That was bad. That was like Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Just do better, please. (laughs) The big potential stumbling block in the future of the Star Trek franchise is the fact that none of the current movie cast is still under contract with the studio. Did they just, well, uh, I guess Star Trek 3 is going to be a piece of crap. And they're like, oh, no. It wasn't. It was awesome. It actually was really good. And it made a bunch of money. And they're like, well, we didn't plan for anything else. So I guess that's that. (laughs) So this movie was actually announced Days before Star Trek Beyond came out in 2016, and there was a rumor that it was going to be a time travel story where Chris Pine's James Kirk meets his dead father, who, if you recall, was played by Chris Hemsworth. Yes. In the first movie. Hot Chris on Chris Uh, action. 
Chris on Chris action. <laughs> Hot Chris on Chris action. Yeah. Title of the episode. Gotcha. Write it in. I love a good time travel Star Trek story. Whereas I agree it does not work with Star Wars, yeah. I am all about it in Star Trek. Yeah, please. It's fr- it's perfectly at home there. Like, they've established the science behind time travel in Star Trek a million years ago. I'm fine with it. Same. I really hope this gets made. Uh, people are really excited about this director and uh, getting a female director in the chair for the first time ever in Star Trek history. Uh, movie wise, at least. Yeah, I mean, we don't really think we don't really know what she can do as far as sci-fi goes, or and this would be her first film, so it's a huge step. I I'm all for it if she is excited to do it and it gets this movie made. Great. She's done a lot of British TV. She's done. Uh, she directed several episodes of Life on Mars. Yeah, oranges, which is an amazing show. She directed some Oranges the New Black. So, uh, so heroes, but we won't talk about that. So she's done some big time TV, but no, this would be her first film. I'm all for it. We've seen plenty of chance. Yeah, I've seen pl- we've seen plenty of TV directors jump into the director seat for movies and kick ass. So if it, the, the much harder part is how are they going to get this movie made? There see I, and I don't understand it, but there seems to be no excitement in Hollywood for these Star Trek movies. But when they come out, they're very well reviewed and they make a shitload of money. And the only people that are upset are like old school Star Trek curmudgeons who go, use too much action, you know, <laughs> Yeah, I don't get it. Like, I don't know. I I don't know why there isn't more excitement for for Star Trek. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's just Star Wars is eclipsing it. And like, quite yeah. honestly, Star Trek Discovery is a really good show that got buried in the states by this stupid CBS app, and it's a that huge a hit because it's on Netflix everywhere else in the rest of the world, and everybody yeah. loves it. It's fantastic. It barely got watched in the States because of this dumb CBS experiment. Knock it off, you guys, okay? Yeah, that was a huge mistake. Seriously. I mean, like, I loved I loved Discovery, and I, and I watched it, like, religiously every week for, like, yeah. the first five weeks. And then something happened where I missed an episode or two, and I forgot. I forgot about it. Because it's literally I, invisible. It's gone. Yeah, exactly. You, yeah, unless, exactly. It's invisible. Unless you're following the Star Trek Discovery Twitter feed, you know, like it is yeah. invisible. Like way to go, CBS. But I hope this gets made. I love the star. I love the new Star Trek movies. I love that cast, and they'll all come back. Yeah. Their contracts ran out. Whatever. They'll get them back sure, for more. Sure. Money is money. Give me a break. Please give me a good classic Star Trek time travel movie. Sure. Please. And if we have to, do it with a new cast. I'm fine with that. Let's move on. Hey, if it's time, it's time. I would be fine with them saying new cast. Give me a female captain in a movie. We've seen female captains in TV shows. Give me a female captain in a movie. I'd be fine with it. Well, I mean, I don't know if I don't know if I'm ready to to like say goodbye to the Enterprise and all that, but gender swap, huh? (laughs) Time travel gender swap film. (laughs) Hey, female Kirk, female Spock, male Uhura. Now it's starting to sound like fan fiction. Idris Elba is your Uhura. I love it. So that's your nerd news and analysis for this week. Be sure to head over to the THN forums. Let us know what you think about these stories and all the crap we missed. You can find them by heading to TwoHeadedNerd.com, and then you just click the forum button. If you can read, you can't help but find it. It's bright yellow. If you can't read, click the yellow button. If you don't know your colors, just start clicking randomly. <laughs> yeah, just click away. <laughs> it's only it's great for our SEO. <laughs> yeah. It's review time in the ziggurat, and Matt is on the hunt for a good wolvie story. Any luck there, buddy? Uh, sort of. 
How's that for an answer? My review for this week is Hunt for Wolverine. Number one. Not the hunt, just hunt for Wolverine. Like it's a command. You, go hunt for Wolverine. <laughs> Marvel, from Marvel, written by Charles Soule, with art by David Marquez, backup story art by Paolo Securia. 56 pages, it's $5.99. Here's your solicit. I'm not going to read it because it's not even fucking important. What's important is the writer that killed Wolverine returns to bring him back or show us how he came back a while ago. Sort of. Dot, dot, dot. The story begins in a cabin where the ex-peeps placed Wolverine's body encased in adamantium as a desperate group of beat-up Reavers have come to steal his corpse. Times are tough for the Reavers, and cybernetic parts just don't pay for themselves, I guess. So let's go steal Wolverine's corpse. Of course, the X-Men shows up and predictably whip their metal butts, all for what seems to be the purpose of revisiting Wolvie's grave to trigger a flashback to a funeral scene that probably should have been handled three years ago in a book aptly titled The Death of Wolverine. The art in the main story was very solid. I would go as far as to argue that Marquez's art here was better than Steve McNiven's art on the Death of Wolverine event. Although, His art was a little different, a different style yeah, than usual. Definitely. Him. Although I was a little confused when Firestar was name-dropped during some really unnecessary narration in the beginning of the book and didn't pop up until a few panels later. They like show a full spread of the X-Men like coming in hot. On the Reavers. And they're like, oh, crap, it's Colossus, Nightcrawler, Kitty Pride, Storm. And they're, like, going down the list. And they're like, and Firestar. And No, she was there. No. She, she was there. She was just really tiny in the background, on, all on fire. Was she? Because I totally yeah, missed her. I saw her. her. <laughs> I saw her. Rachel Rosenberg is great on colors here, using a warmer and softer palette for the flashbacks and darker shades to highlight Marquez's heavy-lined action in the present story. The backup story features Kitty and Tony Stark putting together a team to hunt Wolvie. And aside from some cute interactions between the two, not much else. And I gotta ask, why do they pick Daredevil, Luke Cage, and Jessica Jones to go hunt for Wolverine? Don't get me wrong, if Logan is bumming around the Hell's Kitchen bar scene, they're excellent. But I doubt dude is in New York. <laughs> it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Even Sicaria's art wasn't that great. I usually like him a lot, but this just kind of seemed thrown together, maybe to add more pages to the story. In true Marvel fashion, this seems to be another de-engineered crossover event that no one was really looking for. And look, we know Wolverine is back. And now we have three Wolverines running around the MCU. Oh! There's an idea. All new Wolverine, old man Logan, and fuck it, Sabretooth. There's a gang that should be hunting for plain old Wolverine. My point well, is... There's, <laughs> remember, there's going to be four different books. I, Sabretooth is in one of them. I understand that. I'm just saying maybe we only need one. We don't need this story. But if Marvel feels it needs to be told, maybe just do it in the pages of a monthly Wolverine book for $2.99, and I guarantee people, including me, would bitch less. Right now, I can only give this a very low skim it. Aren't you the one that told me that you kind of liked it? I kind of liked some elements of it. Like, there was an ex-family feel to it that has been missing for a while. I, I can't help but gush a little bit every time we get a touching funeral scene and other heroes show up. Yeah. Like, it yeah, me to I, see I liked Reed the ex-family kind of aspect. Yeah. Um, and you, you mentioned the funeral and how it should have been handled back when the original mini came out. Yeah. But I don't want to spoil anything. I, I think it makes sense to show the funeral here because we did not know something 
no, that's about true. the statue until just now. I'll give you that. I will give you that. But um, we also know that Wolverine is back. So did we not know something about the statue? Sure. Does it matter now? Not really. <laughs> right. So like when did Marvel Legacy one shot come out? October or November or something? Something like that. September? I mean, yeah. it was months ago. Oh, yeah. And so having this story come out now, six or eight months after the fact, like I felt nothing. Yeah. I felt nothing. Wolverine is already back. I don't need to hunt. I don't need to hunt for him. I already know where he is. He's in Infinity Countdown. Right. Or he's going to be um, because he's trucking around with an Infinity Stone. For reasons. For reasons. (laughs) So like all of this stuff felt like. It felt like old news. Like, yeah, the X-Men don't know where he is, but and they're just finding out that he's still alive. But still, I didn't need it. it nothing was revealed. Like, there were no shocking revelations. Uh, this all just seemed like set up for four tie-in miniseries that I don't really care about anyway. Yeah. yeah. The art is very nice. And it's not that the story is even bad. It's just that it had zero impact on yeah, me. There was no zero. heft. It just doesn't feel like it matters at all. And so for me, I'm giving it a leave it, not because it's bad, but because I don't care. I mean, that's fair. This is a six dollar comic book and this is six bucks you could be spending on several great books that came out this week that we'll talk about in a little bit here. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm like if a... you if you want 56 pages of the X-Men finding out something that you've known for six months, right. go for it. I'm, I'm giving it a skim it because it wasn't poorly executed. It they did a fine job on what is a poorly executed idea for a tie-in. You know what I okay, mean? Okay, yep. You know what? You're right. I'm going to elevate it to a skim it with those, with, for those same reasons. Yeah. Judge for yourself. Yeah, I mean, like, I hate to give books like this a leave it because if it sucked, if it was just poorly executed, bad art, bad story, that's one thing. This story is not terrible. It just doesn't feel like it fucking matters at all. It doesn't. I, I, I agree. And I love Wolverine, and I want Wolverine back. I'm all for it. And I'm saying, kill old man Logan. I don't care about him. Make him go away. Fire him into space. Yeah, I don't care. (laughs) Joe Patrick, what did you choose to review this week? Uh, I I chose to review The Thanos Annual, number one. (laughs) All right. (laughs) This is from Marvel Comics, written by Donnie Cates and Various, with art by Jeff Shaw and Various. It's 40 pages for $4.99. Here's your solicit. Thanos is likely the most evil being in the universe. And if anyone would know, it's the all new cosmic ghost rider. I like they don't want to commit to it. He's likely the most evil being. Yeah, likely. Right. Let the spirit of vengeance be your guide on a tour through the worst of the worst as he reveals the most heinous deeds ever perpetrated by the mad Titan or by anyone else. I've been woefully behind on Donny Cates's wonderful Thanos series. But I had to check in for this special anthology issue highlighting the Mad Titan's most despicable moments. Regular series creators Cates and Jeff Shaw are joined by a who's who of comic talent like Christopher Hastings, Kieran Gillen, Katie Cook, Ryan North, Al Ewing, Andre Araujo. Haven't seen that guy in a while. Yeah. Fraser Irving, oh, who I love, and more. Cosmic Ghost Rider walks the reader through six of the most cruel moments in Thanos's history. I know we always say that anthologies are a mixed bag, but I loved all six of these stories. The tales range from irreverently cute to darkly funny to completely chilling. And all of the artists do a great job. 
Cates and Shaw take a look back at Thanos' relationship with his quote-unquote daughter Gamora, the deadliest woman in the galaxy. Chris Hastings and artist Flaviano show Thanos randomly choosing one life to ruin Flaviano? every single year on the dude's birthday. Flaviano? He has dr- one name? <laughs> like Fabio? <laughs> Flaviano, yeah. He sounds gorgeous. <laughs> I know. I bet he's really good looking. Uh, and he's like he ruins this guy's life every single year on his birthday in both dramatic and mundane ways. And it's kind of funny yeah. and also very disturbing. Yeah. And has an extremely nihilistic end, too. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> Katie Cook's story focuses on a happy tree friends-esque race of cutesy aliens that are way more enthusiastic about Thanos' despotic rule than he was anticipating. My favorite stories of the bunch are The Comfort of the Good by Al Ewing and Fraser Irving, where Thanos murders the god of an alien race just to see if they'll still choose the path of righteousness without the promise of reward. And that time Thanos helped an old lady cross the street by Ryan North, Will Robson, and Michelle Rosenberg, in which he does exactly what the title promises and ensures that a future utopia for Earth never comes to pass. It's amazing. <laughs> it really was good. I really loved this issue, and it made me want to go back and catch up on the issues that I missed. They even managed to sneak in a setup for the Cosmic Ghost Rider miniseries, and I really like that character. He's goofy and really fun to look at. I think I like the Cosmic Ghost Rider more than I like the real Ghost Rider right now. I totally agree. <laughs> you know? Do yourselves a favor, pick this up, even if you don't read the main series. You don't need to know anything. If you only know the character from the movies, that's okay. Yeah. It's a great spotlight on an awesome villain. I'm giving it a huge buy it. Yeah, this really was a smart annual because, like you said, anybody who comes out of the latest Avengers film goes, I want to know more about Thanos. You could hand this to him, and it would be a perfect companion piece aside from, I guess, his love affair with death, which isn't really featured in the movie. Well, we'll get into that later. But no, yeah. Yeah, this was fun. It was just a fun annual. There was nothing really consequential here, but just well written stories by great creators. I had a yeah, really. Yeah, it's just a great character piece. And it was, yeah, like a Tales from the Crypt type anthology with the Cosmic Ghost Rider as your narrator. <laughs> Huge buy it for me. What sort of madness drives an Thanos with such trickery? So that is an enthusiastic double skim it for Hunt for Wolverine number one and a double buy it for Thanos annual number one. We'll post our written reviews over at nerd.com so you nerds can tell us what you thought of these two issues. All week, Matt and I have been dodging and weaving our way through Infinity War spoilers. Twitter has been a damn minefield and Facebook a rain of bullets, but somehow we made it through. And here we are on the home stretch, about to speed our way through eight more comics. Damn it! I just opened a Snapchat from Kanye screaming about Thanos, force feeding Spider Man a whole roll of Mentos, and then making him butt chug a Diet Coke. Why, Kanye? <laughs> Matt, we gotta get this done before anyone else spoils the new Avengers movie. It's time for the Ludicrous Speed Round! Ludicrous Speed! Go! Adventure Time, number 75 from Boom! This is the final issue of Boom's long-running Adventure Time series, and it ends on a high note. At the wedding of Jake's granddaughter, Jake, Finn, and the residents of Wu reminisce on the long path that took them there, remembering friends and enemies, and those who fall somewhere in between. 
lemon grab, that asshole. Oh, don't get me started. Original series creators Ryan North, Shelley Paroline, and Braden Lamb return alongside more recent talent like Mariko Tamaki and Zachary Sterling. This issue is a great send-off for a fun series and a perfect read for any Adventure Time fan. Buy it. The Prisoner, number one from Titan. Peter Milligan turns his heady British writing skills to the headiest of British spy-fi in this comic relaunch of the beloved late 1960s TV show that I'm guessing no one under the age of 40 remembers because even I watched it in reruns as a kid. Colin Lorimer is on art duties and the creative team seems to modernize the story of a secret agent being sent to a super secret prison for spies where everyone is referred to by a number. There's so much more to it than that. <laughs> this is a nice return for the property, but I don't see anyone but old fans getting too excited. I'm giving it a skip. The Mighty Thor, 706 from Marvel. The story of Jane Foster's Thor comes to an end in an absolutely perfect way and absolutely not in the way you're expecting. Jason Aaron was right. I cried through most of this issue. As far as I'm concerned, artist Russell Dowderman can write his own ticket. I hope Marvel puts him on something really big next. Absolutely. Mighty Thor 706 gets a huge buy it. Aliens, dust to dust, number one from Dark Horse. Gabriel Hardman writes and draws this story of a mother and child trying to escape a colony under siege by everyone's favorite xenomorph. Hardman's art is nothing short of exceptional, creating a real feeling of dread and desperation with gallons of black ink poured on every page. I gotta ask, why can't the Alien movies still be this good? Just do this. It would work so much better than the crap we got. I'm giving it a massive buy it. Avengers, number 690 from Marvel. Well, last issue was the real and very satisfying climax of No Surrender. This issue is the true conclusion, closing the door on this era of the Avengers and setting the stage for lots of things to come. I loved this storyline from start to finish, and I think that this issue teases a lot of fun stuff that I hope comes to fruition. If you've been passing on the Avengers lately, just waiting for the relaunch, that's a big mistake. Avengers No Surrender was a blast, and this issue gets a buy it. I really loved it too. Deep Roots, number one from Vault Comics. A plant knight is reborn from the green world on the other side of reality, tearing its way through the concrete of London, while a group of vegetable homunculi rob a bank while putting random mom sayings like, eat all your peas and time for bed, <laughs> sweetie. I have no fucking idea what was going on in this bizarre story that reads like half Alan Moore Swamp Thing and half Police Procedural. I will say, very impressive art from Val Rodriguez, though. Giving it a skimming. It, the script was just bonkers. Shadow Man, number two from Valiant. I've never really been that into Shadow Man, but I love Andy Diggle and Steven Segovia. So I thought I'd give the latest relaunch a try. The story is decent, but it definitely assumes that you've been reading the title through its previous iterations. Segovia's art is fantastic, and the soft colors by Ulysses Ariola are a great compliment. The latest volume of Shadow Man has a lot of talent going for it, but it's not super friendly for new readers. I'm giving it a skim it. Jeepers Creepers, number one from Dynamite. There seems to be an unlimited budget for horror licensing at Dynamite, and if there's any horror franchises left out there, I certainly cannot think of them. Writer Mark Andreco examines the history of the Creeper, which seems to go all the way back to ancient Aztec civilization. Solid art here by Cuber Ball. I admit I didn't watch past Jeepers Creepers 2, but I don't remember the monster talking. I need one of you nerds to lay it on me here. Does the Creeper talk? Because he definitely talks here. Regardless, Jeepers Creepers was 
way better than it had any right to be, and I love the Kelly Jones cover. I am giving this a bite. It's a shame that the guy that made the Jeepers Creepers movies is a total pedophile. Let's not blame the Creeper for the pedophilia, okay? The Creeper just murdered kids. He didn't fuck them, all right? It's different. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. Yeah. That was creepy director guy, and fuck him all the way to hell. There. Crack-a-coom! That is your ludicrous speed round at Crack-a-coom! Is the sound of Odin and Thor trying to save the life of Jane Foster, as seen in the pages of the Mighty Thor number 706. This onomatopoeia of the week was submitted by our old buddy, Spencer Leshevsky, on our Facebook page. Uh, Spencer is one of the hosts of the excellent graphic novelty podcast. It's true. If you haven't checked it out, please do. If you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week, just hit us up on any of our social media platforms or shoot an email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Oh, buddy. After an aerobic dance fight like that, Joe, I say we retire to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum for a nice glass of rosé and a friendly game with these infinity pogs that Adam Warlock gathered from comic (laughs) shops across the universe. Special note, we were totally wrong, and Adam did not, in fact, show up in the latest Avengers flick. That's not a spoiler. (laughs) Joe, while I pour the bubbly, why don't you tell the nerds about your must-read pick for next week? If you collect all six Infinity Pog Slammers, yeah. you automatically become champion of your yeah. local Pog. You can snap your fingers and just take your opponent's Pogs. It's crazy. <laughs> My pick for next anyway. week is... <laughs> <laughs> My pick for next week is DC Nation number zero from DC Comics. Written and illustrated by Tom King, Clay Mann, Scott Snyder, Jorge Jimenez, Joshua Williamson, James Tinian the Four... B.M. Bendis and Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Holy shit. It's like a Royal Rumble. My God. It's, uh, yeah. It's 32 pages for 25 cents. Just give it away. I hate 25 cent comics. I'm sure most of you give it away. Just in time for free comic book day, this special comic priced at just a quarter features three brand new stories, each serving as a prelude to the biggest DC events of 2018. First up, Find out how the Joker reacts when he discovers that Catwoman has turned her back on crime and plans to marry his arch nemesis. Can the clown prince of crime stand to see Batman happy? Question mark? Probably not. See, I then, thought Bats was going to make him his best man. <laughs> then, spinning out of metal, we get a prelude to Justice League No Justice. Discover what universe-shattering mysteries have emerged from the most wondrous and chaotic corners of the cosmos to hunt the Justice League in their summer blockbuster event. And then finally, your first glimpse at Superman's new world in an exclusive preview of the upcoming Man of Steel miniseries by B.M. Bendis. Art on this is by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, one of my favorite artists of all time. Yeah, it's good. With I'm truth, to see him working just, again, by the way. Yes, me too. With truth, justice, and the American way all under attack, both Superman and Clark Kent find there's never been a more important time to stand up for what they believe in. Uh, I, I'm excited for this. Yeah. It's all original stories setting up the big events coming from DC. Huge talent in this book. It's going to be a quarter or less, depending on what shop you go to. Absolutely pick it up. You'd be a dummy not to. Yeah. And it comes out before Free Comic Book Day. I mean, come on. You want to know what's going on, right? Matt, what's your pick for next week? My pick is Coda, number one of 12 
from Boom. It's written by Simon Spurrier with art by Matthias Bergara. There you go. 32 pages for $3.99 or... Is this about Coda Hotby from the Today Show? No, that's... that's I think you're thinking of Hoda Kotby. No. Oh, you're right. <laughs> I am. It's either 32 pages for $3.99 or 40 pages for $3.99. I'll get into that in a second. Here's your solicit. Simon Spurrier, who wrote The Spire and God Shaper, and Matthias Bergara, artist of Cannibal and Supergirl, not Cannibal Supergirl. They forgot the comma. Present a broken fantasy world that's perfect for fans of Mad Max and The Lord of the Rings. In the aftermath of an apocalypse which wiped out nearly all magic from a once wondrous fantasy world, a former bard named Hum, a man of few words, so nicknamed because his standard reply is, hmm, seeks a way to save the soul of his wife with nothing but a foul-tempered mutant unicorn and his wits to protect him. I am not making this up as I go, but is unwillingly drawn into a brutal power struggle which will decide forever who rules the weird wasteland. This oversized first issue with 40 pages of story, content, and additional back matter at no extra cost. The solicit says 32 pages. And if you go to the Diamond website, they have a cover of GoGo Power Rangers number six as the cover. So I don't know if Dynamite dropped the fucking ball here. (laughs) Pardon me. Oh, I don't, know, boom. If, I don't uh, know if Boom dropped the ball here or Diamond is fucking up, but this looks really cool. The artist, Bergara, is really, really impressive, and I love Simon Spurrier as weirdest. This is going to be a good time. The THN trade of the week goes to Street Angel, goes to Juvie. It's a hardcover from Image Comics, written by Brian Maruka and Jim Rugg, art by Jim Rugg. This is going to sting for a second. It's 40 pages. <laughs> For nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, that's whoa. Hey, it's a hardcover, and I think it's slight. I think it's a little bit oversized, like it's odd dimensions. Okay. You know, anyway, I'm, it, the price is the price. I just love Street Angel. That's why I picked it. Here's I your solicit. Busted. Jesse Street Angel Sanchez, aka Shiraz Thunderbird, woo, gets pinched and must do a stretch in Angel City's infamous juvenile correction center, Alcatraz Junior. For the deadliest girl alive, three scores a day and a warm, dry bed ain't all bad. Jesse meets a girl gang, besties a superhero sidekick, pushes the lunch lady to the limit, and watches Harriet the Spy. Will Juvie break our hero, or will Shiraz Thunderbird break out of Alcatraz Jr.? Shiraz Thunderbird sure sounds like a competitor on RuPaul's Drag Race to me. I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. How is no one taking that name yet? Where are you, Divas? Come on. (laughs) I really love Jim Rugg's Street Angel. If you've never read it, it's about a homeless teenage girl ninja that patrols the streets of Angel City and fights mad scientists, fights evil ninjas, battles robots. It's amazing. It's a wonderful book. It comes out... it doesn't even have a schedule. Nah. It's a weird series of minis and one shots and graphic novels. It's awesome. Seek out Street Angel if you can. I don't know what the deal is with this with this hardcover being yeah. 40 pages for 20 like bucks. I, I think it's an odd choice. You know, maybe it's a typo. Maybe it's 140 pages. I don't know. But uh, it's an indie comic. These guys deserve your support. If you don't want to pay that price, I get it. But I really love Street Angel. It's my pick for THN Trade of the Week. Fair enough. Now that you know our picks, get a hold of your retailer and add these comics to your pull files now. Then, next Wednesday, grab your favorite pink drink and let us know what you thought of our picks of the week.
It might still be snowing where you are, but I assure you, summer movie season is upon us. That means it's time for Matt and I, and special third head appearance by Keith Binder, Woo. to squeeze into one seat. Oh, it is cozy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And host we another can, edition can only afford one. Nerd at the Movies, the Avengers Infinity War edition. Woo! Now, folks, spoilers lie ahead. Big time, big time spoiler alert. If you want a more general discussion of Avengers Infinity War, check out Cover to Cover from this week. Yeah, we were really good. Spoiler no spoilers free. there. Spoiler but free. if you have not seen Avengers Infinity War, destroy your digital listening device right now. Break your phone. Probably crash your car, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's yeah, uh, yeah like yeah. if it's connected to your car, just run off the road. Yeah. Immediately. <laughs> if Break. you're streaming it to your TV, bash it with a baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah Drive sure. your car into your house and destroy your computer just to be safe. <laughs> Let's get into it right away. Here we All go. Right. Avengers Infinity War. Opening sequence. Oh, I don't even remember. Summarize the plot. Oh, so can we? I mean, a brief summary for those who don't friggin' know. Marvel's been leading up to this for quite a while now. Thanos, the big baddie, is here. And he is. He is collecting the Infinity Stones in this movie. And he shows up with one. He shows up with one that we already knew he had. we did not get to see that. That happened sequence. off screen. Yeah, yeah, I was really kind of bummed about that because I would have loved more Glenn Close and John C. Riley. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm curious. Do you think that's something that we're going to revisit? I think it might be something we'll see in a, in a uh, DVD extra, maybe. Which one did he show up with? Which stone was it? Power. The power? Power. Power. Yeah. Power. Yeah, I, you Purple. know what? Purple I can't power. really keep track of the stones because they changed for power. the color of them. Yeah. In the movies, the it's comics. purple for power. Um, but yeah, I think it's the Power Stone, and he has it because he had just come from Xandar, mm -hmm. uh, where it had been in safekeeping uh, by the Nova Corps, right. as seen at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy One. Why do you? Why? I wonder why they cut that. I would have loved to see like open with him whooping ass on the Nova Corps. Oh my god! That's how he gets. I the, mean, he decimated a whole planet. That takes uh, you know, that's a lot of screen time. Yeah, half. they showed him he decimate did. Gamora's planet. He only ever decimates five minutes. Half, half the people. So, I mean, this basically takes place immediately following Thor Ragnarok. Immediately. Yeah, I, I did like that. that Which, they said it literally five minutes after yeah. the end of Ragnarok. That opening scene is holy crap. It was fantastic. Holy it crap. It was fantastic. I mean, they just right off the bat, Loki, dead. Yeah. The Hulk, ass kicked. It was amazing. Though. He kicked the shit out of the Hulk, <laughs> and it was kick ass. It was so good. Casey was really upset when Loki died. Yeah, well, I mean, nothing sticks. You know, I didn't see that coming. I was also upset that Heimdall dies. Yeah. Oh, God. But what a way but to But he go. goes out like a pimp. Yeah. He yeah. summons the Bifrost. Like, with his bare hands, he summons yeah. the Bifrost. Yeah. The Hulk. Let's talk about the Hulk real quick. Yeah. There's a through line. Uh, so, you know, in the, in the trailer, in every trailer for Infinity War, it has ended with that scene of Steve Rogers and Black Panther leading the Wakandan army out of the trees. Right. Yeah. And the Hulk is with them. Yeah. That scene does not happen. I know. <laughs> it does because not. Because for the entire rest of the movie, the Hulk refuses to come out. Yeah. Theories. He got, Why? He got beat down. He's scared. He's scared. He's scared. He's, yeah. He got That's his ass be beat and it's never happened before and he's scared. Hulk yep. has never lost a fight. He's a lot. He's like an extension of Banner's ego and rage. He's the most like broest bro in the universe, basically. And this bro just got his ass kicked. <laughs> yeah. The Hulk is scared yeah, of Thanos and he and he's he doesn't want to come out and fight. I loved it. He's like, I need you. Get out of here. You're like, no, no. What do you mean? No. <laughs> we got some things to work on, buddy. <laughs> yeah. I loved Banner talking to the Hulk. It, it that gives was great. it gives Bruce Banner a lot of time to shine. Though. Yeah, 
than it's which and I, I like that. Right. I'm glad they gave. I think they gave Ruffalo a larger role than I think we've yeah. seen yet. Yeah, it's incredible. I yeah, I mean, even in it. Ragnarok, he was still Hulk most of yeah. the time. Let's just go right to it. They killed a lot of fucking people in Dude, this. Every all right, so uh, wow. we'll get to the ending. But there are lots of deaths in this movie that I don't think are going to be undone. I agree. I agree. There are deaths in this movie that have nothing to do with what happens at the end. Yeah, that's true. Like Loki and Heimdall. But Loki will be back. Somebody has got to. Loki will be back. Thor even says, yeah, he's like, oh, my brother's died several times. But he also says that he's worried that this might be the time that it sticks. Yeah, that's true. I want to talk about the soul gym search. Get into it. Dude. That blew me away. I was not expecting any of that. Surprise. The red fucking skull. Yeah. <laughs> right. That, uh, I was so, like, what? Holy shit. What? Not, not Hugo Weaving. I heard the voice and I was like, oh, ah, ah. Yeah. But it wasn't It was Hugo not Weaving, Hugo Weaving, but so it was someone, right voice. somebody who sounded a lot like yeah. Hugo Weaving. I, I let that go. <laughs> I was just like, oh, yeah. I, mean, I think everybody did yeah, for the and most part. I, that happened. I was like, oh, I've my God. I've been waiting years for them to pay that off, and I just thought that they had decided not to. Yeah. Like, I want to know. Because we we've had two other Captain America movies with no mention. Yeah. This is a Thanos movie. Oh, yeah. This is not an Avengers film. Yeah. This is. is a Thanos movie. He is the main goddamn character. And so cool. they could have very easily made him another mustache twiddling, you know, villain. Yeah. But that scene where he sacrifices Gamora, yeah. kills, you know, this woman he's called his daughter. Yeah. And she's the like, favorite. oh, I hate the you, favorite. whatever. Yeah. You know, when he kills her in that scene, he's crying. Yeah. I was, I, 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 I almost is, lost it. This is a conflicted, interesting, deep character yeah. here like, like how he says he doesn't want everyone in the, uh, he doesn't want half the population of the universe to die he yeah. just thinks it has to happen yeah this is the natural order like yeah. he is it, and, and i like that they there were some people bitching about how they're like well i wish the female personification of death would have showed up and he could whine to her how much he loved it that is the least interesting thing about that character. Yeah, and it's also way too much to try to explain. It's and so dumb. It would be. It's so it would probably, it would be a stupid. Cheating. Just that choice of making Thanos essentially like an eco terrorist. Yeah, doing what he believes is the right thing for the universe to survive. A very Ra's al Ghul. And thing. his right thing is to kill half of all the life in the universe, yeah. which is right out of the pages of the Infinity Gauntlet. And he even says to Gamora when he's like trying to explain what he's doing, he's like, have you been to your home planet yeah. since I was there? She's like, you came and murdered half my planet. He's like, nobody's yeah, you've been there? It kicks ass. Yeah, nobody's hungry. Everybody's yeah, happy. Utopia. You know, yeah, like, like I made Utopia. To, are we supposed to be rooting for Thanos? What's no. happening? Well, it's not that we're supposed to be rooting for Thanos, but the same way that they introduced like Killmonger and Black Panther as a character with a really good point. You know, who happens to also be a bad Complex guy. Complex motivation. Yeah. yeah. Thanos was wonderful. Oh, and Brolin's performance incredible. was wonderful. That dude. Like, I'm, I mean, and so I good. love I love comic book Thanos and and him being in love with death. And I think it's super fun. It's cheesy, whatever. It's dumb. But in the Infinity <laughs> Gauntlet, he does it all to impress a girl. Yeah. Yeah. Right? This is so much more interesting. Is yes. So much more interesting. This is, and it makes him so much more conflicted because he believes he's doing the right thing yep. ultimately. And that's, I think that's what's wonderful about the Avengers as well. They are just flinging themselves in the conflict because they believe they are doing the right thing. And in doing so, 
a whole fucking bunch of them get killed. Almost like, Doctor Strange almost. makes a decision yeah. at one point in this film that like anyone like Casey and people around me were just like, what in the fuck? Like you want to talk about a bitch move from Gamora. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. But I think Dr. Strange knows what he's doing. Oh no, absolutely. And I think it's going to play out in the next movie. Oh, no, sure. I, without a doubt. That was, that's my next point is like, I really love Tony Stark and Dr. Strange in the same room and they hated each other. Yeah. That and, was great. Yeah. Well, because, because they're mirror images of each other. That's like, just it. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody said like some of the complaints about the Dr. Strange movie was like, Oh, he's too much like Iron Man, which I don't agree with. Doctor no, Strange, he doesn't like Iron Man at all. In that Doctor movie. Strange is brilliant. Yeah. And Doctor Strange is egotistical, and he's egotistical because he knows he's fucking right. Iron Man is brilliant and out of his goddamn mind, <laughs> you know, and like causes problems and then fixes them. Yeah, and that's what he does. And Tony Stark is here saying, "No, we're going to fix this. We're going to stop it. We're going to fix it. We're smart. We're going to team up and we're going to do it. We're going to do it, and will not give up." And Doctor Strange looks at him and goes, "This is the only way this works." Yep, and he gives says him the stone. It was the it was the only way we're in the end game. Yeah, we're in the end game now. The only way this works is to let Thanos win, and that's the only way Thanos loses. And, so, and so this is where this is where I think we might get a little bit of comic influence in all of the history of the character. Thanos's greatest enemy has always been himself. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, this is not the first time he's achieved godlike power. No, um, like he he's got he got the cosmic cube. You know, like this has happened many times where Thanos has achieved this goal of getting this power and then pissed it away because he's he doesn't believe he's worthy of it or because he he's falls victim to a trick or whatever. My favorite thing, uh, honestly, about this besides Thanos was the interaction between Tony and Doctor Strange. It was oh, wonderful. Yeah, so good. It was so great because you just got to see these two egos, yeah. you know, and then meanwhile, Cap is. Being Cap, yeah, you know, like being Cap, gotta be Cap. Do my thing. We're gonna stop this, you know, <laughs> doing the right Cap's thing. Cap's gonna Cap. The Vision and story was great. Like Spider Man, Spider Man was, was wonderful. Oh my god! So again, the Spider most heart. When Spider Man first came on the screen in our theater, people cheered. Oh yeah, yeah. People, yep. fucking oh, we cheered. got actual Spider Sense. Yeah, we did. Big time. Not just a hint. It's actual Spider Sense. Big time. That's great. I love. He turned to his friend. He's like, "Cause a distraction." He goes, "What?" Oh, die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when Captain America stepped out of the dark and rescued the Vision and the Scarlet Witch, oh. yeah, my theater lost its mind. Yeah, yeah. same here. Yeah. People screamed every like every time something like that happened and that Avengers theme queued up. Dun 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 dun. Yeah, like, no. my whole body shivered. Yeah, no, the Russo uh, brothers was did so such a wonderful job on timing yeah. in this film, and. Some of the complaints that I've heard is like, it was just a bunch of people running around. Like, okay, well, first of all, it's a massive ensemble cast. This was not going to be an introspective character piece or no. a love story. No. I mean, yes. And yet it kind of was. Yeah, I mean, there was like, definitely. So, there were so many characters that got a lot of character development, and I wasn't expecting it from this movie. No, definitely. Definitely. But the way they paced everything. Thor. Dude, okay, so it's like, say what you want about the first two Thor movies and like his role in the first Avengers at least. From like Avengers Age of Ultron yeah. on, like, that Thor's dude. been wonderful. Oh, God. Just wonderful. So good. But the way they paced everything out, from the opening scene where we are introduced, you instantly see the Hulk get his ass kicked by Thanos. We now know how powerful Thanos is. Right there. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, we jump to Earth, and we get reintroduced 
to Avengers we haven't seen for a little while. And it's they reintroduce the idea of we got to get the team back together. Yeah. We got to call it, you yeah. know, like the glue, the way that worked. We, from there, jump into outer space and the Guardians Thor getting picked up by the Guardians. Yeah. It works perfectly. It's so, hilarious. Yeah. You know, and it's and it yeah. Was they, a, way, the way they ultimately bring the characters together really worked seamlessly for me. The pacing was beautiful, um, yeah. and not just the not just the the way they brought them together, but the way they went from hyper serious moment to lighthearted moment to hyper serious moment to lighthearted moment. You know, yeah. it, it, I mean, what wonderful. What's interesting is that like not everybody has met each other yet. Yeah, like space guys are still space guys. Yeah, Tony still, still. Tony has no idea what's going on. Yeah, he's like, who the hell are these guys? Cap does not know about the Guardians. Uh, yeah, literally. Galaxy. Like, they just met Groot and Rocket in the yeah, end, basically. Yeah. And like, I know Thor is like, this is my friend, Tree and, <laughs> and Rabbit. <laughs> Tree and Rabbit. Rabbit, yeah. You speak, you speak um, Groot? Yeah. Like, they taught it on, like, taught it on, on Asgard. It was an elective, elective on Asgard. <laughs> so <laughs> Thor's, Thor's arc, where he uh, ultimately forges a new hammer. Oh, so. I, that was very satisfying forged an axe, for me. Bro. It was, yeah, he buddy. forged an axe. One of the things that we talked briefly about on Cover to Cover was how dark this movie is. I mean, it is... It's the Empire Strikes Back. It's full-on Empire yeah. Strikes Back. It's a huge kick in the gut. And let's just get to it. By, at the end of the film, not only do they kill half the universe, they kill half the fucking Avengers. They kill more than half of the Avengers. Yeah, I mean, the Guardians are... Wiped away. Let's Groot see, and Rocket. Vision no, just Rocket. I Vision's think. dead. Rocket Groot's lives. gone. Rocket. Uh, Rocket. Rocket is the only. Rocket and Nebula are basically the yeah. last two. Yeah. Rocket I mean, of those and Nebula characters are the only that two. we met. Gamora got thrown off a fucking cliff. Yeah. Let's see. You got Vision's gone. Uh. Well, Vision just died. Vision's gone. Yeah. Vision. Vision's dead. Uh. Wanda. Falcon. Wanda fades. Bucky fades. Bucky. Bucky Falcon. Falcon. Black fucking Panther. Black Panther. Basically, Panther, everybody that yeah. you thought Spider-Man. wasn't, yeah, Spider-Man goes. Spider-Man's death was Spider-Man's that death was, was heart awful, wrenching. It was I awful because, like, in that moment, deal. Peter stops Strange, trying to be like, "I'm a hero, I'm a hero, I'm a hero," and like, he's a 15 year old kid that's yeah. afraid to die. Yeah, it was awful, and just the fact that they are they were willing to yeah. be like, "Okay, there was so much love for the Black Panther movie." And and when he showed up again, the theater was just like, "Fuck yes!" <laughs> yeah. And then he's blip flies away. Bye. Oh, you like that? He's gone. Yeah. The balls to do that. I know. But that also like kind of telegraphs what's going to happen, though. Like it, it I, I love this. I love this I don't in the think same it does. way. I love this in the same way that in the Last Jedi, like they did the exact opposite of what I was expecting. Right. Like Absolutely. I was expecting like a full on death of Cap and Iron Man. Yes. You know, like, and that brings people together, you know? Well, and just the fact that this happened in the comics, and we all knew it happened in the comics, yeah. and we all went, they're not going to do that. I know. <laughs> and they did it. <laughs> they did they it. Did they, full on, they leaned into it, and they did it, and it was masterful. Oh, God. And uh, the criticisms coming from people are criticisms by people that don't know anything about fucking comics. Yeah. Period. Yeah. There was just, like, no hope in this film. They just got, Good. They got beat up. I mean, where? What happened to the good guys? Uh, you're they're, like, they're they're coming. There's another fucking movie. They're com- they're <laughs> Settle coming. down. 
You know, and they're like the reviews, the bad reviews. It's just at 84% right now on Rotten Tomatoes. And if That's you, stupid. If you that go in and read the low. bad reviews, they just don't count. Their review is like, oh, well, are you telling me this? I set up for a whole nother movie? Yes. Really? Yes. That's what you're giving? What did you think you were fucking walking into? Yes, get over it. You know, that's like going to the musical and being like, they sang the whole damn time. (laughs) And don't get me wrong, the songs are pretty good, but I don't like singing. You know, like, fuck you. (laughs) That is not a review, you know? Peter Dinklage was masterful. Yeah, the the thing they did with the dwarves. The uh, dwarves so of, Ni- of, of Nidvalar. Nidvalar. Nidvalar are gigantic. Yeah. <laughs> They're giants. It. I'm not going to go into, is this your favorite Marvel movie? Because we're not far enough if we get away from it. <laughs> I will say, far and away, best Avengers film. Oh, for sure. Far and away. And just the genius of, and we said this on cover to cover as well, but whether or not the plan was to do this from Avengers 1 or 10 years ago, and they carried it all the way through, is genius. And if that wasn't the plan, and they still got here, they still tied everything in the way that they did, still fucking genius. Amazing. So Absolutely amazing. It is a huge go see it. I have to see it again. If I have one complaint, it's too big. It was very big. It was a lot to take in. They absolutely directed this for second and third viewings. There's no question. They directed it for audience response because there's literally beats where they wait for you to cheer, wait for you to laugh, yeah. you know, and then they also directed it so you have to go see it multiple times. You have to. There's yeah. too well, sure. much here. There's, there's, there's so right, much going so on. So predictions for Avengers 4. Okay. I love this. <sighs> so first of all, predictions for Ant-Man and the Wasp. I think we're going to get the Ant-Man and the Wasp movie we're expecting. Like right. a, a big, it's a, it's fun... It takes place before yes, Infinity War. A yeah. big, fun thing. And then the post credit scene, or maybe even right before the end of the movie, it's like Scott and Hank and Hope are all hanging out and being like, blah, 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 family is fun. And then, poof, people just, like, Hank or Hope or both disappear. I don't think it'll be Hope. I don't think so either. I think I don't think yeah, you're gonna write it off. Like, we didn't, didn't think it was gonna be Spider Man either. If I'm making a prediction, they touch too much on the microverse or whatever the fuck they're calling it in Ant Man. They're not the quantum, realm. It, yeah. quantum realm. Yeah. I can see them going into the quantum realm and when they come out, half of the happened. half the population has disappeared. Yeah. And they're like, Well, we were okay in there. Hmm. What happened? What does that mean? Yeah. Huh? You know, and maybe it ends with Thanos getting banished to the quantum realm or some maybe. shit. You know, I, like, but that, like they're gonna that, touch on that. That that brings Scott into the into the fold, brings De- him up to date, and like pulls him out. There was of definitely a choice made not to put Hawkeye, Hawkeye, Ant Man, or the Wasp in this movie. Yeah, and yeah. I think that is absolutely because they've got to fill out the team in the yeah. next movie. Yeah. Captain Marvel. So Hawkeye. Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige has been talking about Hawkeye a lot because he's saying them not putting Hawkeye in any of the marketing materials has been the best thing to ever happen to that character. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Seriously. Because everyone's like, because it kill was always Hawkeye. before. It was always like <laughs> it's the Avengers and also that guy that shoots arrows. Yeah. <laughs> and like Hawkeye himself makes that joke. A Voltron. He's like, I don't even know what I'm doing here. I shoot bows. And I have a bow and arrow. Yeah. So okay. Okay. Here's my big prediction, and it's Go not even it. that huge, but because this movie ended so close to the Infinity Gauntlet and did exactly, they leaned way into it. Yeah. I'm saying the next movie does not. 
Wayne and Wayne. the way that yeah. the comics do. Well, somebody's doing, gotta, doing something different. Somebody's got to get a hold big of, and different. Somebody benevolent has got to get a hold of the Infinity Gauntlet. Oh yeah, and turn I mean, back. That's those how they deaths. kill Cap or yeah. something. You're like, no, your human body can't do it. You you'll you'll die or and whatever. He and he's like, himself but to I have to. Spider Man's back. Totally. I want there to be a to finally be a payoff for Agent Coulson still being alive. Right. Oh my god. The Avengers still think he's dead. So there's our review of Avengers Infinity War with much added discussion. If you want to hear this entire review, I will be posting it on our Patreon for our patrons. And I don't care if you give a dollar. You can have access to this. Yeah. It would be great. And we would appreciate it. And you'd be helping the show. In the Help meantime, those booth go see Avengers Infinity War. It was wonderful. Next week, we're going to try and figure out some way we can have a full spoilery talk with you. We're no, working we're on not. It. We're going to figure it out. Yes, Next we- week, we're broadcasting live from Free Comic Book Day, and we're not going to have spoiler conversations in front of a room full of people. I don't know how we're going to do it, but it's going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's going to happen, I promise you guys. <laughs> Christopher McLucas <laughs> is going to show up and spoil everything. <laughs> Excelsior! Oh. That is it for THN 485! Before we get out of here, Joe Patrick, tell these nerds, rather ask these nerds, the new question of the week. The Goocher is dead. Long live the Goocher. That's right. This week's question once again comes from Lord Stephen Fino. If DC or Marvel came to you and asked you to come up with the team lineup for the Justice League or the Avengers. I love this so much. Who would you put on your team? I love it. THN is a listener-supported podcast, and we want to thank everyone that shells out their hard-earned cash that they could be spending at their local comic shop every week by supporting this show on both PayPal and Patreon. Without you nerds, we cannot afford the booze and candy that we sneak in to multiple screenings of Avengers Infinity War. A quick shout-out to both Benjamin Holmes and Marcus Rolf. They are existing Patreon patrons. Hey. This is a hard thing to say. Yeah. Both of them, in the last week, increased their pledges. Hey, I know for a fact that Marcus can't afford that. Thank you, Marcus. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Curtis Parvin and everyone at Splash Page Comics. Curtis wrote a book called The Legend of Beard Fist, which our very own Hebrews, Ryan Mount, reviewed for TwoEditedNerd.com last year. Curtis happened to stumble upon that review this week and proceeded to talk us up all over social media. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the work. He's still on Ask Jeeves or something. He's got a very slow search engine, so it took him a year <laughs> to find it. Word to you guys, and you can look forward to an interview between Hebrews and Curtis on the show sometime in the next few weeks. Radical. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics. Your retailer just might put his fist in your beard. This is the Two-Headed Nerd. Signing off.